Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to radio show number 420, Employee Engagement at Pivot CX. Today we're going to be talking about the pivot that Pivot CX had to make as COVID hit and how it's turned out so far. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is Mike Seidel, who's CTO and co-founder of Pivot CX. Welcome, Mike. Great to have you with us. Oh, and now I can't hear you. Let me just click a few buttons. Oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. Hi, yeah. great, great to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Lovely. And after you were saying Block Talk Radio works so well, <laughs> put your hair now, so that's good. <laughs> Lovely. So let's start by um, you telling us a bit about who you are and who Pivot CX are. Yeah, so uh, I'm Mike Seidel. I started uh, Pivot CX about six years ago with uh, – two co-founders, and uh, we had quite the adventure uh, over the last few years. Originally, we started off as a, a job board kind of thing that was like a Yelp for Jobs mobile app. And um, Joe, to be honest with you, that um, was a great idea when we started, but as time went on, uh, as, as the labor market got tighter and tighter, our idea for that app didn't work really well in the marketplace. And by the time uh, COVID hit, we were in a really bad spot. We were not uh, able to really grow enough to be successful, but we weren't doing so badly that we needed to shut the whole thing down. And then mm -hmm. when uh, COVID hit, we lost uh, almost 85% of our business in March of 2020. Wow. It's interesting, the um, sort of the, the losing of that business. I, one of my friends uh, runs a, a job board in the county that I live in, and, and you know, he found a, a, a similar sort of thing happen. And, uh, and I guess... Was it really companies sort of hunkering down, saving money and not recruiting because they just didn't know what was going to happen? Because, you know, businesses continued and people, you know, worked from home, but the job boards really did suffer, didn't they? They did. At first, we thought that it might just be everybody hunkering down, but uh, we, mm -hmm. we got some very direct feedback from the people that were leaving us and from the customers that, that stayed with us that... Uh, you know, our product just wasn't very good. Um, it wasn't working as well as we thought it would for their customers, and they, they weren't getting their money's worth with, for it. So mm -hmm. uh, we, we knew we had to make a change. Um, I think other job boards had a different situation where there was a pause, mm -hmm. and then things came back stronger than ever for a lot of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you knew you needed to make a change, and um, you said you lost 85% of your business. Who, who, were, who were the other 15% and, and what, what did you do and how did that happen? <laughs> well, uh, what, what had happened was we got into doing um, 
doing a chat via text messages with candidates who had just applied for a job. And we were doing that because we had some customers that were in really competitive industries. And they thought that maybe if we engage with candidates right after they apply for a job, that um, it would be a better experience for the candidate and they'd be more likely to be able to hire people faster. And so we had these, um, you know, it was about seven companies that were our customers that we were doing chat for. And all of them told us, whatever you do, don't go out of business. We need you more now than ever because uh, we don't have the manpower to deal with uh, the surge of people we're going to have to hire when things come back from COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, what we all didn't know was in March, the uh, hiring would start back in May and June. So um, Mm -hmm. we ended up... uh, you know, really making the decision in March that, hey, the, these customers that stayed with us, we want to build a product and build service that supports them. And maybe we can drop the old app, the, the old Yelp for Jobs thing that didn't work very well. We could get rid of it. And, and so we did. Um, so we pivoted and we rebuilt our business on the proposition that every applicant, every candidate uh, gets to talk to a live human every time within minutes of when they apply for a job. And um, that's worked really well for us. Interesting. So what did that look like in terms of what you had to do? Because as you said, your, your app was doing something different. <laughs> you needed to make yeah. some changes there. How, how did, just talk us through you know, that, that sort of first bit of COVID where you realized there was an issue and you needed to, to make those changes. Well, the first realization was, um, you know, after you, you get about five calls in a row from customers who are canceling, you realize something is really, really wrong. Um, And and you really have to look at everything and goes, you know, what is this something that we did wrong or is it what's going on here? What we figured out was that that the product we had wasn't delivering enough value. It wasn't it wasn't worth keeping going into the pandemic. But there was this kernel of an idea that was worth keeping. And so we had to look at our team and go, do we have the right, uh, you know, if we're going to pivot our whole business and we're going to have to create a new product that, that does something very different than the old product does. Um, do we have the right the right team to do that? And we were really fortunate in that um, when, when COVID hit, we had some turnover that hit about the same time. Uh, our chief technical officer and, and one of the co-founders left us. And so we didn't have somebody to run engineering and, and run the product team. Um, and we also had some turnover with just our, our, our sales team and that uh, the, the non-engineering side of the house that made uh, some budget available to hire more software developers. So we had to really change the makeup of our team in early 2020 so we could build a new product. And then we got to work on it. And we spent most of the year in 2020 um, creating a chat app that was designed to hook up to directly to job boards and to applicant tracking systems and um, anywhere really that we could get uh, job applicants into the system as fast as we could. We, we wanted to integrate with those and then make it so instead of a chat bot talking to these candidates, that we could put them in touch with a live human as fast as possible. And mm-hmm. so we, we spent most of 2020 building the software and we released it in January of 2021. So we kind of snuck it out there and um, we were really lucky in that we landed a couple of just really, really big accounts right away. Um, in early 2021, um, mm-hmm. we kind of knew by the end of January that we were on the right path. And uh, by the end of the year, we had grown the business um, 183%, not over 2020, 
but over 2019. So we, we did uh, just an, had an amazing year in 2021. And a lot of it was fueled by uh, helping companies learn how to engage candidates right when they applied for a job, uh, have a conversation with them right away, and give those candidates a really great uh, start to hopefully what turns into a highly engaged, uh, you know, employment with that employer. So, um, mm. you know, the, the great resignation and all the things that have happened since COVID really have been very good to us. And uh, as of right now, I mean, we're two months into the year and we've already beat 2021. So we're, we're already ahead on, on sales. So that, you know, as a, as a business owner, I'm really happy about that. But yeah. what's, what's more exciting about this is that, you know, we're working with our clients and, and finally, you know, the service we're delivering is really high value. Um, we're helping them change how they're, they're starting their relationships with the people that are going to become employees. And um, as, as we're doing that, they're learning that they can actually find really good talent, even though the, the labor market is the tightest it's ever been. And mm-hmm. uh, so part of that is uh, quality. Part of it's the you know, giving every candidate a great experience. And then part of it is just speed. I mean, what's it say to somebody if they apply for a job and you're talking to them uh, within minutes of when they apply versus making them wait the uh, three or four weeks that most companies make people wait to hear back? Yeah, it sounds it sounds amazing. And, and as you say, it's so important in, in the current climate to, to sort of jump on those sort of things quickly. Why is it important to engage with the applicants sort of at that stage in terms of how that follows through into the engagement once they're working with the organization? Well, I, I think uh, the most important thing is that when you, uh, when somebody applies for a job, it's an opportunity for your organization to create uh, a great first impression and to build a foundation of trust in that relationship. Um, you know, for a lot of people, their first interaction with a company is they go apply for a job on a job board and then they hear nothing for three or four weeks. Um, just by responding right away and saying, Joe, thanks for applying. Um, I'm Mike, one of the recruiters at Pivot CX. We'd love to talk to you. Just by saying that, we're, we're already creating a totally different kind of relationship with that potential employee. Um, and if we continue to be transparent and we continue uh, to communicate through the hiring process, it really does kind of create the standard that um, communicate that, that, that employees get to communicate with not just their manager, but the whole company has this value where we go, hey, we, we really think you're important and we, we want you to be a part of our team. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes a very big difference in, in just kind of how you start things off. And, and really, you know, if you go back to basic relationships, you never get a second chance to make that first impression. And we think that that first impression needs to be a very good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about Pivot CX and, and how sort of employee engagement is within the organization. And you went through, as you say, a massive, massive change. And, and I guess people were potentially concerned about what their future looked like at that stage. And now it's really sort of successful and, and you've you know turned really turned that corner. Um, how do you engage with your people? Oh, wow. You know, Joe, come to think of it, we, uh, we had to deal with quite the change. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, in 2020, we were dealing with how do we just keep people coming to work? And 
because here, at least in the United States, um, the government was handing out money hand over fist to people. And a lot of people, especially if they were um, not making six figures a year, um, a lot of them just went home for a few months and lived off of uh, lived off the money the government was handing out. So we, we had to keep everybody on board and excited about coming to work every day in 2020. And then as we got busy, it turned into something completely different. Uh, you know, we, we really, uh, you know, if you look at engagement and why it's just so, it, it became so important to us is that, you know, we're trying to grow a company quickly. And, and so we have to do a few things a little differently than most companies do. First of all, um, we, we give every employee uh, an opportunity to participate in our success. Um, we, we deal everybody in, if you will, by giving everybody a really generous amount of stock options so that if we're successful and grow up and our company is acquired or we go public or we sell the company, uh, everyone in the company um, will make uh, a multiple of their salary in a day. Um, so we get it. everybody's attention focused on, you know, hey, this you, you you have a stake in this. And that makes our employees much more willing to learn what makes our business succeed and what makes it fail. And, um, you know, everybody's brain uh, is, is really put to work, really helping the company go where it needs to go. Um, we try to really have a culture of transparency and learning. So that means we do things out in the open and we let people know what's going on, uh, what's going right, and yeah, what's going wrong. Um, when there's a problem, we don't live with it. We talk about it and figure out how to solve it. Um, is that something, just to interrupt you though, is that something that has come about because of what happened or was that something that, that was in place before? I, I think we were a lot more arrogant company before COVID. Um, one thing I, I, that, that I learned and my co-founder, uh, Howard, who's our CEO, learned was that um, we need to listen carefully. And there, there's really two groups of people that, that as leaders you have to listen to in a business. One is your customers. Um, you know, it's a cliche to listen to your customers and the customer's always right, but um, those two cliches aren't wrong. And then the mm-hmm. other group is our employees because they are they are the people that are turning these relationships with customers in, into, um, you know, you can look at it from a transactional standpoint. You know, they're turning these relationships into sales and into money. Um, or you could look at it from a, a, you know, a relationship standpoint. These are the people that are responsible for making our customers happy. And uh, if we're not listening to these employees and what they're reporting back to us, um, how do we know what to do that that's the right thing for the customer? So one, one of the things that's been just awesome about the last two years for me has been that we've been doing chat. We've been operating our own software for our customers. So uh, my employees are also our, our power users. So when we want to float an idea past uh, someone about if we change our software in this way or that way, mm-hmm. um, I have a whole team of people that are using the software every day in my own building and we can learn from that. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it really makes a big difference. Uh, when you, when you do, uh, put a lot of stock in what your employees have to say, and it really helps a lot to make sure that those employees really are dealt in and feel like they have a stake in the outcome in the company. Um, and, and that their actions and that the words they say to people make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And as you say, interesting to see that that change given sort of everything you went through 
as an organization. So um, one of the things that um, you talked about when we were talking about putting the, the show together is um, talking about being in growth mode and that you're challenging your employees to give their job away every few weeks. And um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> okay, so um, we've reached a point where, where our company is growing so fast that you know every two weeks, every four weeks, um, we may have to add an entire new delivery team on to our, our staff. And we have to be always teaching our direct reports how to do the, the leader's job so when our next big account rolls in, we're actually able to hire a few new people, split up a team into two teams, and keep growing. And it seems really easy to say that, but it's really hard for people to get used to. Um, you know, I might uh, be a team lead this week, and uh, six weeks from now, I, there may be six teams that uh, I'm the leader of, and uh, I've only been with the company for three months. So mm-hmm. it, it's we're moving so fast that, that you literally have to think about your job as something that I'm going to build this in a way that I can give it away. That means you have to focus on processes and you have to kind of do things in an iterative way where, where we, you know, don't throw everything out and re reinvent the wheel. Every time we take what the last guy did and tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really, uh, really different when you, you go through this kind of growth. Um, there's, it, it's a, different kind of instability. You know, we, we all like things to be stable and, uh, you know, in the mode that our company's in right now, the only thing that is, is certain to happen is that we're going to go land some more business and get bigger. And, and so um, you have to somewhat be used to giving away that job that you have for a, a new position every couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Does that answer mm-hmm. your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. Yes. And it sort of prompts another one. <laughs> so um, we talk about the four enablers within Engage Success, um, which are the, the, the things that you you know need in an organization where engagement is strong or rather you have them in an organization where engagement is strong. And one of them is about strategic narrative. And that's about um, getting really clear about where the organization has been, where it is and, and where it's going in the future and making sure that everyone can see their connection to that narrative. Um, quite difficult to do when your business has changed so significantly but also is growing quickly and and I guess changing constantly as well and you talked about what we would call employee voice include you know involving your your people and listening to them um and I, I always think there's a a bit of a you know what what comes first you know strategic narrative or listening to your employees because the two things you know, drive, <laughs> drive each other sort of thing. Um, There's definitely a cycle there. Yeah. So, so how, how are you keeping your employees connected to that narrative, which is, has changed quite a lot and is presumably constantly changing with the growth that you're going through? Um, and, you know, how do you not run away without sort of keeping them on board with you? Or how do you take them with you so that, uh, you know, you've got, as you say, that feedback that you can use in the here and now to, to further develop the organization? Well, it starts really with when we hire someone. Um, when we bring somebody on board, um, the first thing we do is uh, actually have them spend a, about a week uh, working on our chat team so they learn exactly what we're really doing for our customers. 
Mm-hmm. And then we move them off to the software development team or sales or wherever, wherever it is that they're going to fit in in the end. But we, we want to make sure everybody understands what we're doing for our, our customers so that as they're working on building our business, they, they are connected to the kind of core value that we're driving for our customers. Um, that's been a, a very big piece of it. And then the other thing we do is, is – uh, stay in very close communication about what's going on. I think everybody in the company knows, uh, you know, we, they, if I asked uh, even even somebody who's just chatting with candidates about um, what big deals are coming up, they'll they'll have a good understanding of what the sales team is doing, what new marketing initiatives are going out. Um, they'll know what features the development team is working on right now because we spend a lot of time communicating amongst each other and. Um, some of that we do online through tools like Slack, and some of it we, we make sure that we have enough open meeting time and discussion time just so everybody can uh, kind of be aware of what's going on inside the company. And that's especially important, you know, back to giving away your job every few weeks. Um, you know, when, when we go to somebody and say, hey, we're, we're adding another team on, we'd like you to, you know, kind of be the, the leader for these three teams. And who on your team do you think is ready to take over for what you were doing? And who do you think would be good to lead the new team we're going to stand up? Um, they really have to understand what what we're really doing here. So, um, yeah, it's it's really hard. A lot of communicating, a lot of email, a lot of slack, and mm-hmm. a lot of talking. But um, mm-hmm. it pays off because people understand what it is that, that, that we as a company are doing as a mission and really can can help us do that. And, and by the way, one of the things that really helps a lot is um, I think everybody on our team has had an awful uh, experience being hired somewhere or mm-hmm. not being hired somewhere. You know, I think everybody's looked for a job mm-hmm. and they've, they've applied for a job somewhere and not heard back from the employer or they've applied and six weeks later they get an email that says we're not considering you for reasons and that kind of thing. And I think everybody on our team understands what we're trying to be the alternative to. And that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And you talked to a bit about getting people involved with customers right at the beginning and, and so on to help them sort of develop quickly within the organization. What else are you doing in terms of equipping people to to lead those teams? Because, um, well, I suppose, you know, are you bringing people in knowing that they're big enough for the next job already? Or are you really growing them once they're, they're with you very quickly? And if so, how? <laughs> ah, well, that's a that's a good question. Um, we try to hire people that um, are good learners. That's actually one of the biggest things we look for is someone's ability to learn and then apply knowledge to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the people we hire have the potential to be a leader, but not everybody uh, who has potential, uh, you know, ends up becoming one. Um, so, so we do a little of that, and then we do uh, have a pretty good program for uh, helping people learn leadership skills. A lot of people will come to us and uh, they've been a doer before. Uh, you know, to, to be a good chat agent, you might be a very fast, uh, you might be very fast on the keyboard, have pretty good English language or Spanish language skills or whatever the language you're chatting in um, and, and understand the recruiting process, but we still have to teach an awful lot. So we, we do invest quite a bit of time in training and, and helping people uh, kind of master what they're doing. But it does help us a lot that, that we're not trying to do everything, that we limit what we do to just this this one part of the employment process. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we, we don't have to worry about 
you know, how to interview someone and we don't have to worry about a lot of things that take years and years for recruiters to learn how to do. So it, it, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, part of it is we limit the domain of what we do and then we, we definitely overinvest in training. Mm-hmm. And just to go back to when this sort of all happened at the beginning of COVID and, and you did the, the pivot, how, how did you take people with you in that moment? Because you weren't in a growth position. You presumably were asking more of people and different things of people than you had been. That oh, can't have been was, easy. It was uh, very difficult. In fact, um, mm. you know, we had two things. One is that we, we had a failing business um, and revenue was uh, hitting a cliff. It wasn't just going down. It was going down at almost a 90 degree angle. So we, we not only had to ask people to stay on board with us, but, but we had to, at least for a couple of months, uh, had to have people accept a pay cut. Um, but a lot of them were willing to do that because they, they saw the same potential that, that uh, I saw in what we were doing with chat and, and with engaging candidates right when they apply. I think everybody saw that as something that had huge potential to, to grow. And I think a lot of them also were, were looking at this in a time of uncertainty. They were, were pretty happy with the fact that we were committed to keeping them employed. Um, in, the, in the U.S., a lot of your uh, benefits like health care uh, come from your employer. And we were able to keep that available for all the employees going into this, this health care crisis. So a lot of people were really happy that we, we did what we could to keep everyone employed. And then uh, mm-hmm. within a few months, we were able to get the, the income and the company stabilized. And, and everyone started uh, just kind of latching on to where we were going in the business and working on their part of it. And uh, it was kind of it was a lot of fun to be here as we, we grew out of the COVID era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't like fun being here when it hit, it, though. Say again. It wasn't fun being here when it hit. No, no, exactly, exactly. But you know, how many months have we sat here saying, you know, when when COVID's gone, or we had um, a show recently where they were talking about post-COVID productivity, and you know, we clearly weren't really in post-COVID at the time, but it does feel like we might be soon, or at least the uh, the worst of it, but. Um, there we go. Really feels so, uh, like feels like the pandemic's the pandemic is still here, but I think people's uh, people seem to be getting tired of living their life like it's here. Yes, yes, I agree. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we've just got um, two or three more minutes. Just for other organisations, sort of listening, who who've got some challenges, who might need to make some big changes in their organisation. What would you say your sort of you know top tips would be? Your main things that they need to focus on. Um, well, if you need to make big changes, the first thing you need to focus on is people. And, and you need to make sure that you've got really great people that can help you get through that process. Um, as, a, as a business owner, I only have so many hours in a day, and I'm really limited in what I can do. And I have to have really, really great people that can help me and have the right mindset to get through a difficult time. So, you know, the first thing, the first thing to do whenever you hit adversity is to really look at the team and then go to the team members that, that you're going to be counting on and make sure that they're on board and that uh, they want to be a part of helping you get through it. If you don't do that, um, you set yourself up for real real problems. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And then from a sort of process point of view, what what is it, lots of conversations, research planning how, how does that sort of stack up 
Well, it depends on how fast the change has to happen. In our case, you know, we, we started losing customers and a month later we were down 85%. So we had to go very quickly and um, that's almost a, a throw away the playbook moment and uh, let's, yeah. let's make a new one. But uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times your, your ability to plan really is, is dictated to you by the situation you find yourself in and being honest with yourself and honest with your team about your situation is really critical. If you don't tell people how bad something is, you're not being fair to them and letting them make decisions in their own life. You need, need to be fair and tell people what, what they're up against so that they can decide whether they're going to be able to help you or not. And then if they can help, um, do everything you can to enable them to help you. Yeah. 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 No, um, some, Absolutely. And that goes back to, as you said, that sort of transparency thing. And um, I think sort of a question, I I think it's probably an unfair question to ask, but um, the whole COVID thing clearly could have been the worst thing that happened to you. Would you be saying now that in many ways it's been the best thing? I, I am unapologetic about saying this. COVID taught me a great lesson about business, and it has been wonderful uh, to, to go through what we've went through. Um, you know, we, we, we still had all the inconvenient things and scary stuff that went along with COVID. You know, we had employees get COVID. We've, we've had all kinds of that. But uh, living through this um, has, has made us really appreciate the success that we've had. And really appreciate our customers in a way that we we just didn't before. No, no. Lovely. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Lovely. And just to let listeners know, next week, Joe Moffat will be back, and she's talking with Jill Kane, and they're talking about how remote and hybrid work has changed the employee experience. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.